Welcome to a special episode of the Sunday Night Army podcast with your host, Jacob. All right, I am Jacob, and thank you for joining me in another episode in the music series, and a special ep- Thursday episode of the show. And my guest today is fantastic, a lot of cool info. Um, you guys are going to get immersed in this episode, it's going to be great. But before we get to that, find me in there everywhere on every podcast streaming platform and all social media. Go check out uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. There's a contest going on. If you don't know, go check it out. And uh, you'll see that there's some cool stuff you can win. I'll give you details on there. And of course, check out the link tree, the link in bio for the merch store, which kind of ties into the contest. And if you like the music on the show, there's a playlist on Spotify also linked in my link tree. Go check that out and, uh, and give it a some place. There's a lot of cool music updated, over 110 songs, I think, right now. So do that and let's get to the episode. So right now on the Sunday Night Army, we're going to continue with the music series, and I have a special guest, uh, a man that's very humble, but we're still going to call him legend in the music industry, because it's completely true. I'd like to welcome Randy Edelman to the show. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Jacob. Well, I appreciate you joining me on the show, because I love doing research, and I love doing music episodes and uh, sharing music with my audience, but it's not very often that I get someone with so much, so much, so much experience in the industry. Someone has had their hands in so many creative aspects <laughs> yeah. of everything going on. So I'm very honored to have you on. And uh, it's, it's going to be a tremendous episode. So let's start there because there, there's just so much to talk about. And, I, and yes, I'm going to throw names out of, of, of movies and Albums and artists, we're going to do that throughout the show. That's just not name dropping. It's because it's going to be very true. No, but... no, I, yeah, and I'll have to, yeah, I, there's stories to everything and I won't be able to get into them, but go, you can throw out any, any name you want and, and I'll answer your question. Perfect. Perfect. I, lo- I love hearing that. But I want to start at the beginning because uh, someone whose career spends so much time and so much work, I want to know what drove you to that this career to begin with from the very beginning. So at uh, what age did the music industry well, click in for you? Well, okay. Is you've now I'm going to just say something because you've used that word a bunch of times, industry, industry, yes. industry, music industry. Here's what I am. I'm a piano player. I'm ah. a musician. That's it. That's what I do. And that's where I see myself. Now, did I have any idea where that, is going to take me of course not and i didn't i didn't know or think about any of it but it all stems from my love and i'll answer your question now of mm-hmm. being a little you know four or five years old and going to the piano and picking out things on the piano and coming up with original music and that's what doesn't matter if it's one of my albums or songs or a big score for a big drama or a, a, a different kind of score for a comedy it's it's that and so that was the beginning without any thought i mean i come from a very kind of straight you know jewish family background you know you got to be a, a a professional person or something <laughs> nobody involved in music 
So I had no thought, but the love of that and that thing that's sort of in your gut, that has to start very early. If you're going to um, be able to put up with all the uh, difficulties that uh, a life as a, quote, artist, uh, you know, you have no net. Uh, so you've got to have that a sort of drive, but the drive comes from, you know, your, the passion that's in your soul. And for me, it was this sort of thing where I would come up with, with music. I wouldn't just play music. I was, uh, so I started out and took, you know, the normal traditional classical piano lessons and stuff like that. But it was the other thing that, that original thing that started fairly early without thought of where it was going to go. And go and that is what led me to all the various things all over the place and all over the world that i've that i've done so mm -hmm. anyway long answer to your question but that's that's it <laughs> no that's perfect now uh, throughout that entire time did uh your focus shift in what you wanted to pursue goal-wise or did it just naturally blossom to whatever you want you what you well, wanted no to no do? no no i'm not sure mm -hmm. what what you're talking about throughout that time i don't uh, when I was six or when I was 20, but 20. here I'll, I'll make it, I'll go, I'll go quickly. So mm -hmm. uh, when I was growing up, I was very quiet about this piano playing because I wanted to be what everybody else wanted to be. And what you had to do when you were a kid is you had to play sports. If you didn't play sports, forget it. You know, music wasn't cool then. It was, you know, little pre-Beatles, let's say, mm -hmm. you know, when music suddenly became cool. Um, so I was very quiet about the seriousness of what I was doing when I went home and took lessons. But I wanted to be like everybody else, to be honest with you. So and I had a family that had no concept of being able to go into if you were going into music you were going to be like a teacher or teach music in schools. You know, that that's as far as their uh, concept would take them, which I was never going to do that. So I, I grew up, you know, normally, but I always had this other thing that I did and uh, too long a story, but I ended up going out to the Cincinnati, the university of Cincinnati and say, and I'm from New Jersey. Like why go there? And what it was is I was, the first, I was about 16. I was in pre-med, but they had a fantastic music conservatory there. And I ended up, you know, switching pretty quickly out of pre-med and being in the music conservatory. And my, uh, I would see these, these bands, you know, bands that like these, the mug club, I mean, the very name. So these places where, mm -hmm. you know, you'd go and I'd see these groups and in all the groups was something that, you know, was a girl. Everything's always about a girl. Mm -hmm. So I'd see these girls. I said, Jesus, how am I going to meet these other girls? So what happened is I, I, uh, I claimed I was a songwriter. <laughs> I wasn't a songwriter, but I, got to like first base with one of them and wrote a song and I started taking the kids from this music conservatory like the string players into a place to do like the recordings of these little horrible songs that I wrote you know for this girl and the name of the studio was in a garbage dump in Cincinnati I think it was an eight-track studio that was called King Records and if you know any of your history King Records was the R&B label. There was somebody by the name of James Brown 
on King Records. And he saw me conducting one day. It's not like the guy was sitting there all day. And they said, hey, you know what? Instead of going to Chicago or Memphis, where they went to do these recordings and overdub musicians, we can call this kid. That's the big. So that's the, I'm, I'm telling you that because my life sort of changed. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got out of that school, I went to New York with and uh, what is the old attache case full of these arrangements and R&B records that I had arranged for Bobby Blue Bland and, you know, and mm-hmm. so that was kind of a big change. I always loved pop music. So when I got out of school, I went to New York. I mean, I was very young and uh, started taking the stuff around and playing in the pit of uh, Broadway shows and doing arrangements for singers and stuff like that. And all this was very, very quick. At the time, I didn't realize when I think about it now how fortunate I was to have made those connections. So I was hustling around when I was 19 or 20 with this stuff. And uh, that was the time of, um, you know, the music business had changed. The Most of the people, uh, everybody's 99% of the people selling records were people who wrote and produced their own stuff. Uh, I don't care if it was Bob Dylan or the Beatles or mm-hmm. uh, Elton John or uh, the, you know, the Carol. So you're, if you were a songwriter, which I really wasn't, you didn't have a lot of, uh, opportunity to get people to the days of somebody taking their song to a record company and uh, a record producer. And then he takes a song to his artist, i.e. Frank Sinatra, for lack of a better, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those days were gone. There were a couple of people, yes, selling records uh, who recorded outside material. But the, obviously the music business had completely changed. So if you wanted your songs recorded, guess what? you had to get something called a record deal. And at that time, if you could write a decent melody and carry a tune, guess what? You make it, that's an over-exaggeration. You, so I signed like a hundred page contract, you know, mm-hmm. my life away to a little company. And, and so all of a sudden I was an artist doing my own songs and write, and I did, wrote all the arrangements. And so that was my little swing there into something different than being the serious classical pianist conductor that I thought I may have been going into years before that. So suddenly I'm like hustling around writing songs uh, and doing all this stuff and da, 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 da. It goes on from there and then did my own albums and that's a whole, (laughs) lots of incredible stuff happened then. You know, even though the albums didn't happen, it's not like, you know, you make an album, you think, okay, the next day it's going to be like Elton John or Billy Joel or, you know, Mm -hmm. people who kind of maybe I would have put myself in that ilk, you know, as far as what I was doing. Of course, what I was doing was a thousand times better than either of them. But, you know, it just the the albums didn't sell. I'm joking. I'm really not. (laughs) But, you know, I'm I'm busy. So uh, just quickly. What happened was, of course, the albums didn't sell, especially on this little (laughs) label that I had signed my life away. Mm -hmm. However, just like I told you, there's always something that has to happen that this is a tough business. You've got to have things happen. If things don't happen, it's going to be a rough go. And at the time, I said nobody was selling records, a lot of records who didn't record their own material. Mm -hmm. But. My, you know, won't go in too long a story. 
somehow my little album, the one I signed my life away that I recorded in like three days, was heard by a brother and sister who were selling a shitload of records. And it was their name was Karen and Richard Carpenter. And they heard this album. Like I said, mm-hmm. they don't just hear an album that's right. not selling. There's a story which I won't get into. And not only that they, Richard, who was very talented, the brother, was a really good piano player, and he really got off on my piano playing. That's what he, on this album, he, you know, the songs, and but mainly, and they not only recorded some of the stuff that was unbelievable at the time, if you were a songwriter at the time, and you wanted one person, you know, a, an out, a person that does outside material to record your songs in the world, it would have been at that time the Carpenters. So they not only recorded some stuff, they took me out as their opening act. Now you oh, gotta understand, I hadn't sung in front of my mother or in the shower. So now I'm opening act, they're big. Now we're not talking about concerts like in Carnegie Hall. We're talking about field houses, mm-hmm. sporting arenas. So my first concert is like in front of 15,000 people. And I'm sitting a guy nobody knows doing like 45 minutes of unknown songs because I didn't know any songs except the ones I recorded on my album. Mm-hmm. And um, ba 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 ba, you know, and you know, the next day I get a call from the agency saying, uh, okay, it went great. Your next concert isn't uh, till you got to go to Atlanta. So you're, we got another gig for you. And that's opening for Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. Mm-hmm. Now you tell me how you go from the Carpenters, <laughs> the whitest of white, to Frank Zappa. Zappa. When mm-hmm. It's not like I can, Jacob, it's not like I can change my act. I don't have an act and I only know those 10 songs from the album. So I have to do them anyway. Mm-hmm. That's it. Okay. I'm, I'm, I will stop talking now. That was the beginning of my career. Shall we say as a artist, whatever you want to call me as a composer mm-hmm. in this business, you know, a young kid out in doing all this stuff. And then I continued making albums and then I coming out to California and blah, blah, blah. So how did you get into orchestrating scores for films? Oh, 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 oh. well, now we're talking. Okay. I, so I had this big conservatory background. Mm-hmm. So I knew, uh, you know, about orchestrating, blah, 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 blah. But, and if you see in my background, you may see something in people when they see it, they look and they say, that's not Randy Edelman. It can't be. It's 1973. How could he? It was executive action. The a fantastic film, you probably haven't seen it, and you better, about the Kennedy assassination, the real story, based on a book called Rush to Judgment by Mark Lane. Um, And I did that. I was very young. I had come out here, and I was interested. It was not cool at that time. Film scoring didn't have the, you know, cachet it has now. Mm -hmm. And I, Trumbo wrote the script, and Burt Lane, it it was a major, like, heavy thing too long a story about they ran out of money and da, 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 da. And I had made this deal with A&M records at the time. And there was somebody there who got me with these people. And I did that film. And what I learned, the reason I'm telling you this story, mm-hmm. because it was 15 years, Jacob, 15 years from that to when I got my film scoring break and you'd say, Jesus. So I learned it was very hard, very pressured, I mean, I lost like 20 pounds when I was doing because I was scared shitless. Okay. And um, uh, uh, anyway, uh, 
And I did some other TV movies. But what I decided is, you know what? And, and it was really that Carpenter thing. How do, you, how do you get record deals if your records don't sell? So mm-hmm. anything that was happening would give me a certain, it, it was good. Other people started doing the songs and I was able to continue getting these record deals to write original songs, to do albums. And I decided after doing like a couple of these films, you know, um, guess what? I'm going to stay on this trail because it's a lot easier. I, I love what's going on. Um, and so I continued doing that. And the whole film thing that I had started, you asked about, mm-hmm. that went that was bye-bye. I didn't want to know about it. I hadn't done that much. I had done enough to know it's serious business and serious work. Mm-hmm. And obviously at the time, doing your own albums, writing songs. I was a young kid with hair down on my, you know, ass. Mm-hmm. And um, that so I did that. Now I did a couple of albums, none of them sold as far as albums. But very interesting things happened with the song. And after I think it was my fourth album, I when I, I finished the album, it came out, they released. I had started then changing, which was not good, what I was doing. What were you going to do? If you did four albums that didn't happen, you wanted to write, which everybody wanted, the three-minute hooky hit single. Because mm-hmm. you realize you had to have that, you know, or it wasn't going to happen. You know, so it was I, I was doing that and really wasn't a good thing to be doing for me because I had much more, uh, you know, more uh, comp- complex musical ideas. But not that I was I was making records, sell records, but they they were not that. So I started writing a little more commercial stuff. So I did this fourth album. It was like, yeah, which is a lot of albums I've done. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't sold any records, how do you, how'd you keep doing it? Well, obviously, I had stuff going on, other people doing songs. And for some odd reason, uh, it happened in London. Big. So, I, I mean, it was crazy. I thought, I remember I did that album, they released it here, and I said, that's it. I better find something else to do, because that's going to be my last album. And funnily enough, something happened in England, and... I went over there to do a show called Top of the Pops, and you can't get on Top mm-hmm. of the Pops, which was a BBC like that was yes. like traditionally it's not on anymore. But you couldn't, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're Paul McCartney, you can't go on Top of the Pops unless you're like top 15. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I went over to England and started having this other life because I had a couple of uh sorry about that. Sorry, uh had a couple of these hit singles. So all of a sudden I'm doing concerts. And a lot of people started doing my songs, one of which was a song everybody wanted thrown off that fourth album because it was too long, it was too romantic, and it was a waltz in three-quarters time. It's called Weekend in New England, and I won't get into the story, but Barry Manilow did it. Mm. And I had a big hit, my first single, you know, as a writer all over the world with, with that. And a lot of people did songs from that album and um so things uh so that gave me a shot in the arm now it would turn out that i would do i'll I'll leave it there maybe three or four more albums Mm -hmm. and i and i thought the they you know clive davis came in and he got me out of my contract and but you know what they didn't happen okay so now we're you can many 
nobody's done like eight solo albums. Uh, what my after I I did them here on maybe the seventh one, I went to England and did an album for Elton John's company called Rocket Records. Then I went, I know you won't believe this, then that thing didn't happen. I went to Sweden and did an album for uh, Stig Anderson, uh, Polar, which was, i.e., ABBA. Mm -hmm. And I did it for in their studio. So interesting stuff. But meanwhile, <laughs> so my next stop was Siberia. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So when I finished that and they literally screwed me and dumped the album, and, and it turned out that they had just split up as a performing act. I mean, they were all there and they, the girl did my single. I didn't know in the background, they dumped my album and she recorded the song that was my single. Now you may say, oh, that was good for you, but it wasn't because I didn't go there to do an album. To get, and anyway, that's when I said, you know what? <laughs> I'm out of here and everywhere. I'm going to get on the road that I, thought that I was going to be at, you know, 12, 15 years ago, doing other things. And that's when I started, uh, when I came back, I didn't want a record deal and I didn't want to write a song. And I started getting into scoring things. And, but you don't just do that. And so I did several things, including a pilot for a series called MacGyver, mm -hmm. which everybody hated. Nobody thought that would be picked up, let alone running for a zillion years. Right. And I did the pilot and wrote the theme and blah, 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 blah. And when I did that, you're getting a really good. When I did that and it was picked up and they wanted me to do every week. It, MacGyver was like a show and they wanted it. It, it was an hour show mm -hmm. uh, of which in an hour show after commercials, let's say there's 47 minutes of you know, film or on TV, the rest 13 minutes are commercials. Yes. This had 45 minutes of music and they wanted like Indiana Jones. Well, you don't have time to write this stuff. Anyway, it drove me nuts. So about after a few shows, I quit, which is unheard of. You don't quit a network primetime show if you're a composer, but I did having no idea, by the way, it was going to go on for all those years. I had the theme figured it'd be off. But anyway, the reason I'm telling the story is I said to myself, you know what? This is after you, you shouldn't do this. Go back to writing songs. I'm just giving you a little thing of this topsy turvy thing. Mm -hmm. I literally said, you know what? You're not suited to write for film. <laughs> and I went and it made some publishing deal with somebody. And then again, like I said, the thing with the carpenters, something happened. And after being in, in, in L.A. for years and years and years, I got a call to do something. And it was like, yeah, they're calling, but it's never going to happen. It wasn't a big thing. It was a picture that um, you, if I told you, you, you never heard of it. However, the executive producer, I didn't know any of this at the time, was who I just mentioned who just died a few days ago, mm -hmm. Ivan Reitman. And he was so I did this little picture, which was a big deal for me because it was like a Warner Brothers picture. And um, Ivan was doing a picture, a concept picture with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger called Twins. Mm -hmm. And the composer was the great French composer, George Delarue, who I loved. But something was going on and Ivan wanted something different. So the people 
who had worked on the little movie that I told you was by the big break. Mm-hmm. I was only the executive producer, but he was a good friend of theirs. And they said, you know, call Randy. He can do anything and he'll do it quick. So he calls me and it turned out that I basically I was supposed to be Danny DeVito. I was supposed to be his personality, but it turned out to be a lot more so much so that I got co-credit and the film was a big hit. And then, uh, then I got some other films and then Ivan called me to do Ghostbusters two, which was the sequel to the biggest comedy of all time Ghostbusters and, uh, and blah, 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 blah. And that's how my career as as a film composer started. But I'm I'm telling you all this to Mm -hmm. say this didn't just happen. I didn't just decide, oh, you have to know how to orchestrate or no. I had done stuff, plenty of stuff over the years that had prepared me musically. When you're thrown into a situation like that, because you're you're that you're dealing in the big time, man. That's the that's big time pressure with a big score with the symphony orchestra and hip stuff and non-hip stuff. And I could do the hip stuff because I made the records all those years as well as the orchestral stuff. And so that's how my, then my career as a film composer uh, took off. Luckily I look or looked a lot younger than I was. These people like Ivan, they, they didn't know who I was. I, I was just a new guy. They discovered, they didn't know about my songs or albums. And they didn't have to. So I was like the new guy in town. And then after Ghostbusters and Kindergarten Cop and all that stuff, I I was like the comedy king because I would do those big concept films with him. But I also did My Cousin Vinny mm-hmm. and I did The Mask with Jim Carrey. So I was picking these really odd little, they were all little projects. Now they're classics. So that's what started. And then, you know, after you know, a year or two or three of just back to back, you know, nonstop work, which I was loving. I, of course, what do you want? You want to do drama because mm-hmm. I wasn't particularly funny. And by the way, the music that I wrote for all those comedies, if I put it in and you listen to the scores, there's, there's no funny music in there. You know, there's scary stuff. There's mm-hmm. romantic stuff. So if the comedy is good, the comedy and the person who's the lead person they don't need music if they're good, you know? Mm-hmm. Those are the areas that don't need music. It's the other aspects of the story that do. And so at, at that time, I um, wanted to uh, do more serious stuff, which wasn't easy. And that's when I did, uh, got Gettysburg and Alan Parker, who was the best director in the world, comes to the paradise. And then that led to me coming into Last of the Mohegans. Uh, and then that was it back then. I just sailed for years and years, you know, film to film, da, 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 da. Okay. That's it. No, that, that's, that's <laughs> that, fantastic. That, I just listened to your story. Yeah. I, I didn't get into any mm-hmm. stories uh, really about the mm-hmm. songs or the scores, but that's kind of the general, mm-hmm. uh, that's generally looking back. Those are the, uh, they're the broadest of strokes I've given you as to this thing just didn't happen overnight. And mm-hmm. you just don't decide I'm going to write songs or be an artist or right. do a film score. You got something has to uh, uh, happen. And then then I just, you know, was I mean, musically, the film scoring was because people ask me about songs. The only people that really knew me 
the when it would come up was would be when I did a film with an English director, and they'd go, "Hold on, hold it, aren't you blah blah blah?" And they'd not only know I was, they knew what the song is. And when I go to London, which I did lots of times, even without English directors, to record the orchestra scores at uh, Abbey Road, mm-hmm. the orca always the last day of the score, they the whole orchestra would sit there and say, "Okay, play it." And I play there's a there's one song that you don't even know uh, that that's a classic there. It's been it's still there. It's on every day, you know, not uh, one of them of the, the hit songs that I had there, but um, a kind of interesting piano story song. It's just really me and a piano. But uh, during that whole period, if someone some people used to ask me, how come you don't write a song for the film? First of all, it ain't my job. I don't even tell these people that I write songs and I don't want to. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, they don't even, they don't write, there's no more songs and films. There's records that they throw in for a scene or two or at the end, mm-hmm. but it, it's not part of the film score. So I had no, no interest uh, ever for a long time. And that leads me right back to you. So a few months ago, when all the COVID thing was happening, I came up with a fun idea. I recorded the whole thing in my backyard called coming out the other side mm-hmm. about the the whole covid situation but it's not a serious song it's a really fun thing and suddenly i i didn't even know what i was gonna do it's not like i did it and i started playing it for record companies i didn't i didn't know what i was gonna do with, uh, with it but i did it and some people heard it and the next thing i knew you know they were releasing it and it's been for a year a, a really crazy ride i've been on doing lots of shows and now i'm going next week to new york to do a show and so i'm back into the songwriting thing at the same time as still keeping up on my my other scoring stuff on a certain level so i'm having a blast mm-hmm. and it does sound like it because uh let's have the actual audience hear this song because coming out out the other side uh we're gonna play it right now on the show so here's Randy Edelman with Coming Out the Other Side right here on the Sunday Night Army. You wake up with a smile on your face Cause today you can't run from your place You've been locked in your house all year long But today, you begin a new song. You've been pushed from your purpose in life and been scared by the edge of a knife. Now it's time to fight back and break out. Time to see what this life's all about it just take a good look all around you let your heart be filled with pride grab your coat and take your belongings you're coming out the other side There's a new kind of spring in your step And a fresh attitude you've got 
and a new spirit's filling your space and a confidence that's your new base so just take a good look all around you and let your heart fill up with pride grab your hat suit on you're coming out the other side you can look at the scene all around you there's a mountain to climb if you dare just take hold and stand firm make a difference and learn set a There's more in your tank you can give There's a friend who needs help over there So extend your good arm, show you care And just take a good look all around you And let your heart fill up Right, and you, and the song. What do I like about it? Mm-hmm. It's completely different than all those songs and albums I did, which were very melodic and kind of lush and and rich and 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 uh, more ballad oriented. This thing is just a fun thing with me playing only instruments, and you'll see it's sort of a takeoff on uh, an old Buddy Holly song. But it's a fun, it's a fun thing. It's nothing serious. And what I like about it is. Uh, everybody who hears it, it's like they said, Jesus, it doesn't sound anything. They like it, but they it doesn't sound like so. Uh, I'm doing something different without even hadn't really planned on it because I just wrote something that I thought I, I was getting a kick out of doing and I had some fun and uh, wasn't even sure what was going to go on, but that if it was going to be released, 
Uh, and, and so that's why I, li- I like it. No, that's great. And I like it also. Now, is this the only song that you're looking at the releasing this year? Or are you working on anything? Now, else okay. No, 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 no. I'm going to be doing, you know, an album. Mm-hmm. But funnily enough, you should, uh, you should get, I, in two weeks, I, I go to New York, I'm doing, uh, I, I do this one man show called Around the World in 80 Minutes. It's, it, it's, it's, it's like, you know what I've been telling you? That's what it is. It's the story of my it's not the story of my life. I don't tell it as a story. It's not a show. I just play this stuff, but I play stuff from all areas and I do lots of film score stuff, which I had to figure out how to do uh, really effectively at the piano. You Mm -hmm. can't just say, Oh, here's some music from a film. Who cares? You know, you got to put it together. So it's energetic and entertaining. Uh, But anyway, I have a record coming out in about two weeks called, uh, how could I let you go? It's me and this uh, Niger- Nigerian singer called Chioma. <laughs> I've actually never met her. And it's this song I wrote. And uh, you'll be shocked. Mm-hmm. It could, if you listen to that. And you now, are you in touch with, um, yeah, with Eileen? Yes. Yes. Okay. When, so sometime tell Eileen mm-hmm. that Randy said, to, to send you an MP3 or something get, of how can I let you go? And it's mainly, I'm doing the piano and all the stuff and I wrote it, but it's her singing and you'll be shocked. It's a total other kind of thing, but it's, it's cool. So it's just another little uh, split, uh, to, you know, another little uh, link in my story mm-hmm. because it's like, <laughs> it's crazy uh and then i'm doing like a, a horror film now which is great so um anyway so that's what's going on so ask her to send it to me what won't take you any time just tell her whenever she can to mm-hmm. send that to you the the master because it's not out yet but it, but of how can i let you go that's fantastic i'll shoot her an email yeah. uh, right away yeah definitely yeah. that's that's excellent now if my audience wanted to find you and follow uh, what you're doing and kind of dig into the background and do a little bit more research about you because there's just so much to cover. Uh, where can they go and do that? Oh, just go to my, I have a funky little, it's not, you know, everybody has these. Just go to my uh, Randy Edelman website, randyedelman.com. That's, it's easy. It, you'll go to Randy Edelman and say, you know, say all this crap. And then, because I, I didn't, she, she's the one now she's, you know, you got to do all this social media <laughs> stuff. And I say, I don't want to do anything. And that, and then she makes me talk to you. But I'm having, you know what? It's very convenient and easy. I mean, I'm, of course, I'm lying in bed now because <laughs> it's like nine in the morning, whatever. But but um, it's also just like you would understand this mm-hmm. more than anybody. It's a really funny time there because is. though she... I met her recently. I mean, uh, because of this little record, she didn't even, you know, pick up. But everybody's like, hold on a second. You know, put the brakes on just a minute. Are you blah, blah, blah? Well, yeah. (laughs) Some people think, Jacob, that I've been accused all the time. This is years ago. I'm the son of that other songwriter, artist, you know. 
either I'm a different person or I'm it's like, no, what are you talking about? I was in my twenties doing these albums and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they just can't have a concept because they'll look at a date or something that mm -hmm. I'm, it's the same person. <laughs> yeah. It's the same fucking person. It's a know? concept of time. You know, you just got to remember yeah. where you are and how, how long it took That's for sure. Yeah. So it's, our, but it's interesting because people like you, they want to know about it. You know, mm -hmm. they've got, they want to know about all these movies that they grew up with and, and, you know, about Beethoven, the dog movie and about my cousin Finney and the mask and all, all that stuff. And then, you know, the mummy three and, 27 dresses and last of the Mohegans and Anaconda mm -hmm. and Triple X, all the Vin Diesel stuff I did. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like it's it's a crazy thing, but they want to know about well, that's a whole other area, you know, exactly. it has nothing to do with the songs. But anyway, mm -hmm. that's it. Fantastic. You've covered it, Jacob. <laughs> well, that's music's my favorite part. So, Randy, I really appreciate you coming on the show okay. and giving us an insight to your newest, newest single. So I really do appreciate it. Yeah, and that. listen. If you're going to play some scores and stuff, because it's so great and easy now, all you do, like, if you say, oh, you want to play some different kinds of stuff, you play something from My Cousin Vinny or Gettysburg or something. All you do is you go to YouTube mm -hmm. to whatever you want to listen to. And if you press that, you'll see a ton of stuff that that's and, and my name, just the name of the film, mm -hmm. my name and YouTube. You'll get like 20 different pieces from that movie or the you know, all this Jackie Chan, Shanghai Noon, Shanghai and myself, mm -hmm. you know, just different things. It's easy. It takes you about one half of a second. My name, the name of the movie and YouTube. And it's great. You'll see all this stuff there. If mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how you're going to play any or how much you can play of that. But anything you want to play, you just if you want to listen to anything or and use it, it's right there. Exactly. That's what's so easy. For sure. Definitely, definitely needs to be done. Everybody needs to go check that out and uh, look at the entire journey. There's so much to uh, dig into and uh, listen to. So I really do appreciate that, Randy. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking. Okay. Take care.